0: Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast over 13 years, 400 episodes featuring conversations with people like Mark Cuban, David Stern, Jeannie Buss, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, and Kyrie Irving on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're ranked in the top 100 of the business news podcast section on iTunes. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter, at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years. And on Instagram, at Sports Business Radio. Well, it's that time of year. It's time to count down our top 10 sports stories of the year 2017. I'm joined in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. And we do this every year. And boy, lots of stories to consider. Uh, we took some input from our listeners on Twitter. Uh, we talked to some people in and around the sports business world, and we came up with our top 10, which we'll reveal on the show this week. But Griggs, before we do that, you, me, our staff photographer, Brad Kinzer, and my daughter, Sophia, made a trek to New York for the Mark Emmert NCAA Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo at the Players' Tribune. I thought... It was a great show. You know, I went into it with Mark Yammer thinking, you know, could he be defensive? Might he not want to talk about certain topics? But my takeaway was I was really surprised how candid he was, how forthcoming he was with the fact that the NCAA has made some mistakes, that they have some issues they really have to deal with. and. I thought it was an enjoyable conversation, and I saw a different side of Mark Emmert. I was a little bit surprised.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, and we we, we talked afterwards how... I think in the media, you're so used to seeing him with the little five-second, you know, sports soundbites, Sound yeah. yeah, and he, I mean, you almost didn't even have to ask questions, I mean, he was so open on everything, and each question you asked, he went for five, ten minutes on an answer, and like you said, even the hard-hitting stuff, and he admitted, hey, we got a problem with this, this, that, or everything, we're working on it, we're doing this, we're doing this, uh, students had great questions, he answered awesome to all the students, and yeah, I thought it was really fun, and the, the hour and 15 minutes flew by, because it was just really, uh, you know, you learned a lot. I mean, he was really nice in the green room
0: before. Like you said, he stuck around and chatted up some of the students from Columbia and Marist and Montclair State. He took pictures. I came away with a different impression. I'm not saying that I thought he was going to be a jerk, but... He was very, very down-to-earth. You know, I kind of looked at him at the end like, here's a guy who's been an educator. He's been a a school president for most of his career, and now he just happened since 2010 to be the president of the NCAA as well. He's made some good changes under his time, but... Griggs, it's one of those jobs, it's kind of a lose-lose job. Like, I don't know that you can ever do anything in that position where people are going to go, he's the greatest! (laughs) Everything he did was fantastic! Like, it's one of those jobs where you kind of can't win and you have like 1100 university presidents to report to so good luck trying to get a consensus when you're dealing with that many people.
1: Yeah, you have to go into that job knowing you are going to have people that are not happy with you at sometimes and and like it's kind of a thankless job, but uh he seems to be really uh into it. He seems to be interested in it. He's he loves the universities, loves the kids, and I think his his mindset's right there and it was uh, it was a fun show and check it out if you haven't checked it out. The podcast is up and it's uh, it's a good listen.
0: Yeah, I mean, so far, the downloads, it's right now tracking as our second most listened to show in the history of Sports Business Radio, which we started in 2004. And the most listened to show was last December when we sat down in New York with former NBA Commissioner David Stern. So it's getting a lot of listens. I think the feedback I've gotten from people who have listened have been the same as what I just said. Wow, that's a Mark Emmert I haven't heard before. You know, I told the NCAA at the end... You know, I sent him a note when I got back home and I said, you guys need to put him in situations where he has long form opportunities instead of the soundbite. You know, he can sit down for 45 minutes or an hour and really dig in and explain some of the issues the NCAA is facing, because when you get him in long format and it's not just soundbite, you have a totally different impression of him. The other thing that we did is obviously we like just conquered New York while we oh, yeah. were there. So <laughs> last year was your first trip to New York and I've right. joked on the show last year like When Griggs landed in New York, it was basically like he was the first person to ever set foot on planet Mars. I mean, it was just like, wow. That's true. (laughs) So now, this was my daughter's first trip. She's almost 13. It was the same kind of reaction. Like, she just thought this was the coolest place that ever existed. And you couple it with, not only is New York a great city, but when you visit New York during the holidays... I don't think there's a better city oh, yeah. on planet Earth yep. than New York City. So we get in, and I surprised her and took her to the Rockettes at Radio City Music Hall. Thank you so much to my uh friend Michelle Isaacs from the Players' Tribune who hooked us up with tickets to see the Rockettes. My daughter has danced since she was three, so it had a special meaning to her to get to go to that historic venue, but also to get to see the Rockettes because they are Phenomenal. I mean, anyone who says dancers aren't athletes, are you kidding me? Crazy. They are crazy athletes. Plus, so you had
1: camels in the show. We did. There were camels I mean, you can't, in camels. the show. There
0: were uh, numerous Santas <laughs> yeah. in the show. So it was a really good show. I thought it might be hokey, and I was you know there mainly for her, but I genuinely enjoyed the show as well. Then after that, we came outside and met you and Brad, and we went up to Top of the Rock, which I had never done in all my visits so to cool. New York. So 67... Floors up. Uh, I learned that there's 237 skyscrapers in and around the Manhattan area. So we had a map and you know looked for a lot of those. But at night, with oh, all the yeah. lights, it's pretty awesome.
1: The night scene there is just incredible. I mean, that that's really when it shines. And like you said, with Christmas, you got the tree. All the stores are decorated. You know, it's Fifth Avenue. It's just, it's iconic. And, and yeah, the top of rock, I mean, 360 degrees, incredible views. You see Brooklyn Bridge over here, Empire State over here, Freedom Tower over here. It's just everywhere you look was, was really cool.
0: And then the burger entourage, which you were a part of, uh, <laughs> had meetings at the NBA WNBA headquarters. So yep. you got to see that for the first time. My yep. daughter got to sit down with Jay Perry, the COO of the WNBA and interview her for a school project so that was really cool Jay's a great friend and uh, she even went ice skating with us later in the evening when we went to Central Park that might have been my favorite part of the trip mm-hmm. Central Park for ice skating then ser- Serendipity oh yeah the famous Serendipity frozen hot chocolate oh my goodness frozen <laughs> Peanut butter and chocolate, hot chocolate. That might be the best thing that's ever sat in my belly. It was
1: incredible. And it was like 1130 at night, and we're just like, oh, give me more.
0: (laughs) And we waited like 45 minutes to get in, and it was freezing
1: cold outside. So we were like, we're
0: all in on this thing, but it did not disappoint at all. We went to NASCAR headquarters and had a great reception there for Sports PR Summit. NASCAR headquarters in New York are fantastic. Uh, where else did we go? We went to Sports Illustrated, that saw how cool. Magazine is put together. Yeah. My daughter got to meet the editor of SI for Kids. Uh, we obviously were at the Players Tribune for the Sports Business Radio Roadshow. So, you know, there were just some
1: great stops on the on the tour. Plus, we didn't do this last time. We had New York pizza. Many times. Yes,
0: <laughs> we did. We did have New York pizza. My daughter was, like, jonesing for New York <laughs> yeah. pizza,
1: so she wanted that for every meal. <laughs> Which we kind of did almost every meal. Yeah. So, I, times. I, you know,
0: look, it was great. uh Yummy food while we were there. Probably not the healthiest
1: we've no, ever I mean, eaten. We walked, like, 40,000 miles. We did, though, yeah. So. I
0: mean, we were looking on... I mean, seriously, didn't we walk, like, 36 yeah, think, miles in, like, little, three days? Yeah,
1: I think we were, like... Like 28 before we got to the airport on the So last basically, day.
0: two days. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. That That's is, a lot of walking. That is a lot of
0: walking. Yeah. If I lived in New York, I'd weigh like 113 pounds because <laughs> of all the walking <laughs> that takes place there. So, yeah, you have to have comfortable shoes on there. Yeah. Uh, what else did we do? I mean, we, we went down to uh, Freedom Tower. That we was saw cool. the 9 11 memorial. You had not seen that. My daughter yeah. had not seen that. That was powerful.
1: Very. Yeah. I mean, that is just a, you just feel the, the tension there the pain yeah and it it was incredible and they they do a great job and uh we found out there was a a, one of the names on the uh what do they call it where the towers were um the fountains fountains, yeah they um had a white rose on there and one of the security guys came over and said each time you see a white rose it's that person's birthday right which was really cool and that really even hit harder yeah some family right now is remembering this guy's birthday
0: yeah now it's so well done down there and, uh, again, just an educational trip for, for my sure. daughter. I think for all of us. Yep. Uh, it was fun to take to you guys, you guys to like NASCAR and WNBA mm-hmm. and NBA and, uh, Sports Illustrated. We saw how the magazines put together and how they pick out the cover. Yep. And we were sworn to secrecy. <laughs> couldn't tweet any pictures out. They it told cool. us that they would like take us out in handcuffs <laughs> if, if we put anything out yep. beforehand. But, uh, what a great trip to New York. And uh, hopefully we'll do that again next year. Last year with David Stern was fantastic. All right. When we come back, we will begin our countdown of the top ten sports business stories of 2017. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Happy holidays from Sports Business Radio. Our top ten
2: countdown continues after this. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer
0: Had a very shiny nose Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. We are back to count down our top 10 sports business stories of 2017. Number 10. It was a mega fight. Some people thought it was too much hype. Others thought it was a better fight than many anticipated it was Mayweather and McGregor, a mega fight. The gate did $55 million, 4.3 million buys, which was second pay-per-view wise of all time to the 4.6 million pay-per-view buys of Pacquiao Mayweather. But when it's all said and done, Greg's uh Floyd Mayweather retires or so he says, and the fight did $600 million when you count pay-per-view gate
1: Sponsorship, international distribution, six hundred million dollars. It was a big fight. It was crazy, and I mean, it was an- the anticipation was really fun for that one. I mean, they started, you know, uh, promoing that for months, right. months in advance. Yeah, and it didn't disappoint. It was fun. It was crazy. I mean, it's 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 nutty how much money these guys make on these fights. It's just crazy how much is involved in it. And I mean, it'd be fun to go behind the scenes on one of those fights and be in the ring or behind the scenes see yeah. how it gets put together because it's pretty. On TV, it looks phenomenal, and it's a cool cool event, and it, I mean, it didn't disappoint.
0: Well, and I think everyone knew Mayweather was going to win. He was yeah. a heavy, heavy favorite. But McGregor, I mean, you're, you're basically leaving MMA. You have to box only, so no kicking. There were heavy penalty clauses against him if he, like, you know, <laughs> kick Floyd Mayweather. So you're kind of fighting with a hand tied behind your back, so to speak, and... I thought McGregor for most of the fight made it a little more interesting than most people thought. Some people thought, oh, is this going to be, you know, a round or two? There have even been the theories that Mayweather danced with him for several rounds to let it go longer than it should have is in order. So people would say it was a better fight than Mayweather Pacquiao, which most people said was the biggest ripoff of all time. (laughs) And I just told you there were 4.6 million pay-per-view buys. So, uh, all in all, you know, I think UFC got a lot of exposure from this, you know, the weigh-ins and all the press conferences and things like that. It, sh- it was a big spotlight on UFC. So I felt like they were the big winner in all of this. McGregor says he is going to return to UFC and he's going to continue to fight. Uh, Mayweather says he's done. But at the end of the day,
1: I think people were curious to
0: see these two guys get in the ring. They did it, and it
1: was big, big money. I think McGregor. The fun part about him was the press conferences. I mean, he won the press conferences. Yeah, he did. I mean, he,
0: had some he talks of the best. big game. Oh my
1: gosh, he has got he has so much confidence in himself, which is kind of fun. I mean, and, and the weigh are always fun. They're face to face, nose to nose things, and all this stuff. But yeah, I thought it was fun, and uh, you know, it was, it was obviously did well. Well, and I mean. McGregor,
0: a few years ago, not so long ago, was not broke, but not far from it. Right. And, you know, he walks away with $30, 40000000 million from this fight. Not bad. <laughs> not bad at all. And he's never going to get that kind of money no. in MMA. So, uh, you know, I-, I thought he walked out of this the big winner. He didn't embarrass himself in the ring. He got paid a lot of money. Floyd always makes a lot of money. And, you know, now we'll see what's next for Floyd Mayweather. Uh, you know, we talked to his PR person earlier in the year on Sports Business Radio. That was an interesting conversation. Mayweather's got a lot of money. They call him money. Mayweather, will he invest in a professional sports franchise? He's a big sports fan. It'll be interesting to see what's next for him. I doubt he's going to just disappear off the face of the earth. Our ninth biggest story, the growth of esports. Griggs, it is taking off and I'm not really into it. I can't bring myself to sit and watch a bunch of guys play video games or women play video games in front of a big crowd. I'm not a big gamer, but I certainly see the business implications. The NBA partnered with video game company Take-Two Interactive, which is the publisher of the popular NBA 2K basketball game series. And there's 17 NBA teams now, Griggs, that have eSports teams. And why is this brilliant? In addition to the fact that it's gonna make them all a lot of money. It's also a way for them to reach that coveted younger demographic, right? You know, they wanna reach the younger crowd. And the other thing is, when you have video games now and you're you're these esports teams, you can put so like let's say you're the Boston Celtics and you have GE on the actual Celtics jersey. Well now you can go sell, either upsell GE or or sell another jersey sponsor for your jersey within the game, so it's more inventory that you can sell if you're a pro sports franchise.
1: This is working because I have an 11 year old boy, mm-hmm. and he literally sits here and watches these guys play games on YouTube. I mean, he he this exact thing we're talking about, wow. he loves it. I mean, he could sit there and watch him play hours. We have to stop him and say, hey, alright, take a break, let's go outside and play ball. Yeah. But seriously, it's working on getting these kids, cause he loves it. He just is enthralled with watching these guys play these games, see how they play it, learns the tricks, learns, then he goes and plays it on his game. And it's, uh, it's definitely working. And obviously we know there's ad revenue like crazy, cause YouTube and everything else has ads flying all the time. So, right. Uh, it's working and he's 11 and he's into it. The thing that blew me
0: away this year is I saw the Bird's Nest, which hosted the opening ceremonies and track and field and everything for the Olympic Games in China in 2008. That place was completely full watching people in the gaming championships. I'm like, wait a minute. There's (laughs) a 100,000 people in a stadium watching people play video games. crazy. And the crazy thing is, like, these gamers... You know, they're tested for performance enhancing drugs. Mm-hmm. They have endorsement deals. They are looked at like LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Lisa Leslie, Alex Morgan, you know, Lindsay whoever you want to name as yeah. an athlete, Serena Williams, and they have that kind of following from the gaming community. So it's gonna be interesting to see how this works, but it's not going away. It's not a fad. When we talked with David Stern a year ago at our roadshow, he's invested in some of this, and mm-hmm. you know, like he said. I'm an old guy. I'm not really into watching this, but he sees the business yeah. application and I see it too. And you know, the fact that the NBA, which is seen by many people as the model sports league in the world and it's such an international league has 17 esports teams now and is going to probably eventually have every team have an esports team. That's all you need to know about whether or not this is a fad or what the longevity of the growth of esports is going to be. Our eighth biggest story of the year, 2017. It was a Super Bowl for the ages, Griggs. And I've got a great story to tell. But the Pats, down 28-3 to against the Atlanta Falcons, come back and win Super Bowl 51, 34-28 to in the first overtime game in Super Bowl history. So here's some numbers before we get into the, the backstory on this. More money was bet on this Super Bowl at Nevada Sportsbooks and any other Super Bowl in the history of Super Bowls. Nevada books won $10.93 million off a record $138 million wagered on the Super Bowl. Uh, the $138.4 million wagered beat last year's record mark of $132.5 million. And the thing that was crazy about this game is because of the fact that the Patriots were down 28-3, to there were people at halftime that were placing long-shot bets on the Patriots. So the spread was three. The over-under, Griggs, was 57. (laughs) Here's my story. If you listen to Sports Business Radio and you go back to our show before the Super Bowl, I had the good fortune of going behind the scenes in Las Vegas. Uh, Jay Rude from the MGM Sportsbooks. He's quoted all the time in the media talking about sports gambling. He's been there for a long time. He took me behind the scenes, and I got the VIP treatment and got to watch the Super Bowl from the Mirage Casino and MGM property. And it was really fascinating to see how they set the lines, to see how much money is coming in, to see the habits. I mean, just setting the lines is in art form. Crazy. And I've always said, like, Vegas is the smartest at doing it because they set the lines, and it's almost like they're fortune tellers. Like, how did they know it was going to come down to three points? How did they know it was going to be over-under right at this? Like, very rarely do you watch a sporting event and Vegas totally missed on what the line was or what the over-under was. And he, again, in this, too, you know, you have so many prop bets as well. Mm-hmm. Who's going to score the first touchdown? What's the coin toss going to be? Heads or tails? So I'm there, and I put down money on the Patriots, minus three, and I bet the over, okay? So I'm about ready to rip up my ticket at halftime. (laughs) I'm down 28-3. I'm like, screw this. Brady looks horrible. The Patriots can't get anything going. And there's a guy two seats down from me, Griggs, that has $60,000 down on the Falcons. Mm. And this guy is talking trash to everyone. He is hooting and hollering, and I probably would be too if I was about to win $60,000. I mean, things are looking good. Even in the third quarter, things are looking good. You don't think in a million years that the Patriots are going to come back and win this game. But lo and behold, momentum starts shifting to the Patriots, and they start coming back and coming back. And all of a sudden, the guy who had sixty grand on the Falcons (laughs) and all the loud Falcons fans are getting real quiet. And it comes down to the end of the game And it goes into overtime. Now, for me to win in overtime, it can't be Patriots kicking a field goal to win the game because then it's a tie, right? And Vegas would have won big time if that game had been a field goal instead of a touchdown. Patriots go in, score a touchdown. It pushes the game. Patriots cover, right? And it pushes it over. So at halftime, I thought there's no way in the world I'm winning my parlay of Patriots minus three and there's no way I'm hitting the over on this thing. <laughs> I won both. So the funniest part of the whole evening, Griggs, awesome. is you go stand in line to collect your money. Everyone that's standing in line is acting like they just robbed a bank. <laughs> like we're, we're giddy with there's no way in the world that we should be here. <laughs> we just stole this money. We almost ripped up our tickets at halftime. I, I'm not going to say I'm a big gambler because I'm, I'm really not. I, I will put down a few dollars if I go to Vegas on sporting events. I'm not degenerate gambler. I'm not guy who has a bookie, but you know, I've placed my share of bets. I have never had a bet where I had no business winning the bet <laughs> like this one because at the end of the night, I was like, you got to be kidding me. I can't believe that I, cause remember, I had to win two ways. Yeah. It's not enough for the Patriots to win the game. They can't win by three. They gotta win by a touchdown. And if they don't score touchdown, the game is a push right. on the over under. So they have to score touchdown. And if you've watched NFL football over the years, you know the chances of first score being a touchdown are, are really unlikely. Usually mm-hmm. it's a field goal. It's not a touchdown, but lo and behold, they did it. So all of that aside, the other thing that this game did is it cemented Tom Brady is probably yeah the greatest quarterback who ever played, maybe the greatest player who ever played, Bill Belichick, I mean, you know, he's got five rings now. And when you talk about that kind of a comeback, so many guys, even champions, would have folded the tent and said, we're down 28-3, it was a good run, we don't have the gas in the tank to pull this off, because this is going to take a lot of energy to come back. And Julian Edelman's catch and all the things that happened. And, by the way, the Falcons not running the ball. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? You're up that much? Run the ball. Run the clock out. Your biggest opponent is the clock at that point, not the Patriots. So it was like the perfect storm of things that had to happen for the Patriots to win. I've been on the other side of that bet so many times. Yeah. Like, most of the time, I would have been the guy with the Falcons, right? <laughs> like, And then you're like... I just got robbed. I <laughs> thought I had that game. It was feeling good. For sure. The guy who bet $60,000 had a much worse night than I did. Yeah. But, uh boy, really thrilling game. But it was great. I had never watched a Super Bowl in Vegas. That's cool. Had never gone behind the scenes. And to do it in that environment for maybe the most exciting Super Bowl ever, you can definitely say the best comeback ever. Uh, and the commercial sucked again. So, like, it was really yeah. all about the game.
1: That was pretty cool. It was crazy, and just that it went to overtime, too. I mean, it's like another cool thing, first time in Super Bowl history, which kind of shocked me. I thought, no way, that's that's kind of an interesting stat. But, yeah, I mean, what I was thinking about you, too, when you were in Vegas because I knew you were there, and then I, I assumed you were – I didn't know your bets because you told me after you got right. back. I posted them on my Instagram right like, after. Somewhere, somewhere <laughs> Brian is jumping up and down in some fountain in Vegas right Yeah,
0: now. I mean, I didn't have that much money on it, but I was, I was just excited to win. Sure. I mean, I, I won a few hundred, not a few thousand. But, uh, certainly better to, to win than lose. It was just the shock of like, yeah. yeah. and then by the way, uh, you know, there's all these prop bets. The safe bet, like any seasoned gambler will tell you the best prop bet to bet every single year is the no overtime. Mm. This is the one year they lost. So, you know, what is it? People who bet, you know, a hundred dollars would have won a thousand dollars. If you bet ten bucks, you would have won a hundred bucks. If you bet, the prop bet of no overtime. So if you're a degenerate gambler, you're looking for a prop bet for next year, you can almost guarantee there won't be two Super Bowls in a row that go into overtime. So bet no overtime prop bet in 2018, and you're probably going to come out ahead. All right, coming up next, we'll continue our countdown of the top 10 sports business stories of 2017. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Happy
2: Holidays from Sports Business Radio. More of our countdown of the top 10 sports business stories of the year. Coming up next.
0: This episode of Sports Business Radio is brought to you by Ergon Office, who manufacture beautiful, high-quality electronic standing desks. Co-founded by former hockey player Sam Finn, Ergon Office is on a mission to inspire people to live a more active lifestyle because the human body just wasn't meant to be sitting 13 hours a day. When I'm not in the recording studio, I have a home office and I like to alternate standing and sitting throughout the course of the day. If I don't, my back gets sore or it'll lock up. I also get an energy boost every time I stand and work or talk on the phone. Studies have proven alternating between sitting and standing leads to increased productivity and a reduction in muscle disorders like back pain or carpal tunnel, which cost society close to $50 billion annually in lost productivity and medical bills. What I love the most about Ergon Office is that the desks adjust using an embedded touchscreen, allowing you to switch seamlessly between a sitting and standing position in seconds. You can even save your preferred heights for more convenience. Ergon Office's height-adjustable desks are available in Canada and the United States. Change how you work and be healthier in the process. Ergon Office has beautiful, high-quality desks with a unique design, and they couldn't be easier to adjust. Their customer service is great, too, so they'll help you find the best desks that work for your needs. I'm a really big fan of this company. Check them out at ErgonOffice.com backslash SBR and use the promo code SBR10 to get 10% off any standing desk. That's ErgonOffice, dot com backslash S-B-R promo code SBR10. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at ErgonOffice. We are back Counting down our top 10 sports business stories of 2017, we're at story number seven. Carolina Panthers owner Jerry Richardson outed for his inappropriate treatment of women and paying several women hush money during his tenure as owner of Carolina's NFL team. That story was first reported in Sports Illustrated by our friend John Wartheim. and immediately after the story came out, I mean, not even like 12 hours later, Jerry Richardson puts The Panthers up for sale. You have people like Diddy and Steph Curry and Colin Kaepernick saying, I want to buy the Carolina Panthers. They're trying to form a group. But the thing that is interesting here is Griggs very rarely do NFL franchises come up for purchase. Okay, so in 2012, that was the last time there was an NFL franchise available for purchase. It was actually two teams, the Cleveland Browns and the Jacksonville Jaguars. In, 20, in 2008, Stephen Ross paid $1.1 billion for the Dolphins. That is the record sales price. This will crush that. So just to explain this, Jerry Richardson owns 52% of the Panthers. He doesn't own the entire team. So what could happen is there could be some clause where the minority owners of the Panthers have the opportunity to buy his 52% or part of his 52% and take over managing control of the team. Or they may all get together and decide, you know what, let's sell the whole 100% of it. But the point is, NFL franchises are very valuable. They don't come for sale very often. There are going to be a bunch of people that try and buy the Carolina Panthers. The fact that Cam Newton is the quarterback, that's going to help too. It's going to be interesting to watch. But... This was an embarrassing story for Jerry Richardson. It's an embarrassing story for the Carolina Panthers, who, by the way, their PR people were at Sports PR Summit this past May. They have done a phenomenal job the entire way with issuing a statement about this, with our COO is taking over and running the team like they have been transparent. And they've done the best job you can do in this situation where your team president and owner is caught in this kind of a situation and Griggs, let's face it, with the fact that uh, the Harvey Weinstein story came out and almost every day we're seeing a new person uh, fall from grace, whether it's in Hollywood, whether it's politics, now it's hit sports, we've seen stories uh, in the Boston Globe about the culture, ESPN, we've seen stories about other places, um, you know, now this hits the NFL, and I can tell you this as someone who is very in tune with what goes on in the sports world. This will not be the last story of a male who has treated women improperly, inappropriately, and where they are caught in a situation, whether it's an athlete, an owner, a coach, a GM, a front office exec. There's a, a really bad culture out there and it needs to change. And, you know, now what's happened is that floodgate with Harvey Weinstein has opened the reporters, the journalists are digging in and they're looking for these types of stories. And what it's also done is it's empowered women to come out and tell their story and say, you know what, this did happen to me. Maybe it was last week, maybe it was years ago, but you know, I never felt like I was in a climate or a place where I could tell my story. Now I am. So this is only going to continue. Um, the other thing that this does is It shows the NFL with Jerry Richardson, the NBA, going back to Donald Sterling. It's not just about vetting players that you're going to draft. It's about the leagues vetting the owners, because if you have a guy like this, Jerry Richardson, who did some good things as the owner of the Panthers, but if you're living this kind of lifestyle, if you're talking to people like this, if you're paying hush money because you've done this repeatedly, that's a problem, and it's a big embarrassment for... Your sports league, in this case, the NFL, it can't happen. So the leagues have to do a better job of vetting their potential owners and making sure stuff like this doesn't happen, that there's a climate in these organizations where women are treated fairly and appropriately.
1: And I think that's a good thing that's going to happen because of all these stories coming out. Is you would help. You would hope. You your, would I, help. Yeah, you hope. There's going to be more vetting. There's going to be, obviously, the, the, the women and the people that are hurt by this coming out is going to be good for them and their future and just getting it out of their, you know, off their brain. Um And I think this is one of those we talk about stories to watch in 2018. I think this is obviously going to be one that's going to, not just this yeah. scenario, but others are going to be coming up. But it'll be interesting to see how this team gets purchased and how they end up uh, ownerships and all that stuff. So it'll be fun. I see. mean,
0: look. Again, I've worked in and around sports. I've been in locker rooms. Sports is at least as bad as Hollywood, if not worse, because the culture is just, you know, guys, and it's, it's. I mean, I don't want to go into the details, but there's a lot of uh, inappropriate behavior. There are some great athletes. There are some wonderful athletes. they are good family men, but, you know, there's a lot of people out there, too, making some mistakes, and... Um, treating people inappropriately. And I can't imagine that this is going to stop with Jerry Richardson. So whether it's the sports media, whether it's sports franchises, leagues, owners, whoever it may be, the journalists are not going to stop digging. You know, it's like where there's smoke, there's fire. And they're going to continue to hunt these stories down. So I agree with you. I think in 2018, we're going to see other people outed. And here's the thing. and, And I said this years ago, you know, again, i I have made a career in in public relations. This is a lesson for all of you out there, and certainly a lesson for me, someone who has a company called Everything Is On The Record. You are only as good as your last moment. You're only as good as your last moment. Let me give you one example. Joe Paterno, right? Joe Paterno, big body of work, coaching legend, did all these things. What is he remembered for? He's remembered for what happened last. And that was the scandal at Penn State, that was not protecting those boys. Who, uh, you know, if if all the uh, paperwork and testimonies I've seen have said that, you know, he knew what was going on there. And you look at someone like Matt Lauer. Again, totally different situations. But Matt Lauer, what is he going to be remembered for? What happened last? He had a journalism career of 25, 30 years on some of the biggest stories in the world, 9-11 and other things. He was on the anchor desk. In the first paragraph of his obituary will be that he was fired from the Today Show in disgrace and amongst lots of controversy. So let me tell you out there, everyone, the margin of error is thin and you can, you know, play a great game for, Four core are three quarters, but you got to play all four quarters. And if you don't, then you're going to run into problems. The sixth biggest story of the year, we all saw this one coming. After Kevin Durant joined the Golden State Warriors in 2016, he leads the Warriors to their second title in three years. In 2017, he was named MVP of the series. The Warriors beat the Cavs four games to one. Uh, it was the highest-rated NBA Finals on TV since 1998, according to Nielsen. So, all in all, Griggs, even though it was the third matchup in three years of Warriors-Cavs, people were intrigued. They were even more intrigued when you added Kevin Durant to the mix. And Kevin Durant played at a video game level yeah. in that series. He was phenomenal and deserved MVP, and he finally got that ring. So people can say he's a ring chaser, he already went and joined a great team, whatever. At the end of the day, who cares? He got his ring. He'll always have that. By the way, he's doing great things with YouTube and other tech companies in the Bay Area because he lives there now. So he got everything that he wanted, and I'm sure he's not stopping at one. He he wants more.
1: Yeah, I mean, he it was a great series, and you're right, I think... He won won, 1-1. I mean, it's like he wins the championship, which he wants. Like you said, he's, he's in, getting into some uh, more endorsements and tech stuff where he's being down there in the Bay Area. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, he was balling like never before. I mean, it was just a fun series to watch as a basketball fan like I am. That's kind of my sport. I mean, he just was, it's incredible. He just took over that series and, you know, dominated. And you could tell, I've never seen a guy, I mean, maybe like LeBron too, but, they want to win and they're going to play as hard as their body can go to win this, the finals.
0: And by the way, on the Warriors, uh, run in the playoffs, they lost one game. Crazy. 16 and one. So nuts. In the playoffs. So, uh, what a run for them. Yeah. Dominant. They are certainly, as long as they stay healthy, the team to beat again in 2018. But Kevin Durant got his ring after, you know, the hoopla. And by the way, while we're talking about stories to watch in 2018, the free agent summer of 2018 in the NBA is going to be unlike anything <laughs> else we've ever seen. And it'll be led by LeBron James. Yep. Uh, the banana boat guys are all free agents. LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo, and Chris Paul. Actually, Carmelo's not. He's only one of the three, but Chris Paul. So, uh, you know, boy, the landscape of the NBA could shift again depending on where LeBron goes. But it's going to be a frenzy, unlike we've ever seen. Some people are saying he might join the Houston Rockets and go join Harden and Chris Paul. That would be interesting. And the other thing that would make sense about that is no state income tax in the state of Texas. (laughs) Nice. So unlike Cleveland or Los Angeles or some of these other places, if he goes and plays in Houston, no state income tax. That is a big, big savings. Our fifth biggest story of 2017, Griggs, a disaster for U.S. men's soccer. Some called it the worst loss in the history of U.S. men's soccer. They had a seven-tournament, 24-year streak of consecutive World Cup berths snapped when they lost to Trinidad and Tobago. And Bruce Arena, the coach, resigned a few days after the loss. The sports business implication here, in addition to the fact that this just really hurts U.S. soccer and the growth of soccer in the United States... Fox Sports outbid ESPN and others to carry the World Cup. They paid $200 million, and you don't even have your host country, the U.S., and I don't mean host of the tournament. I mean, Fox is based in the United States, and most of your viewers are in the United States, and I know soccer is a global game, and lots of people will still tune in, but it doesn't help you at all. If like put it this way, if Fox Sports knew the U.S. wasn't going to be in the tournament, they're probably bidding a lot less than hundred or than
1: two hundred million dollars. Yeah, it's uh, it was a shocker. I mean, I watched the game. and I was like, "What's going?" I mean, you just could feel the something was up. The momentum was out. The team wasn't there. It wasn't clicking the whole game. You're like, "This is not looking good." You kind of think it's U.S. We're going to come back and win this game. Never happened. But yeah, I mean, two hundred million and the team's not even there. It's crazy. I think it'll still do well, obviously, because World Cup, you know, always right. pulls well because of the world teams. But still, it, it is is going to be weird not seeing U.S. there.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to U.S. soccer going forward. Who's their coach? Again, Bruce Arena resigned. What's the future for growing? You know, a lot of people thought that U.S. soccer was finally on the upswing, that it was going to make some noise in the World Cup. They had an 82% chance of beating Trinidad and Tobago. I mean, a lot of people thought it was a layup, Hmm. and they missed it, and they're not in. And again, the ripple effect will be felt far and wide for U.S. not being in World Cup. Our fourth biggest story of 2017, this is a big one. Roger Goodell signed a five-year contract in December that will pay him $40 million a year, $200 million total. There are a lot of incentives in the agreement to remain commissioner of the NFL. We had Don Venata on our show uh, last month to talk about the fact that Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, wanted a more thorough process for just re-upping Roger Goodell. He wanted him to be vetted a little bit more. Were we having a thorough enough conversation amongst all the owners? I don't disagree with that process. But as Don Venata also reported, uh, and Don is with ESPN, some of these owners, you know, I think the phrase he used is, uh, you know, <laughs> this is like they don't want to change all the photos and the audio and the contacts in their... Apple to transfer to a Samsung phone or vice versa. Like, you know, the owners would rather go with the known commodity of Goodell than go through a thorough interview search. Who's the next commissioner going to be? What if we screw this up and the person's not as good as Goodell? So there's part of that too. Um, but at the end of the day, Roger Goodell remains commissioner of the NFL. You know, there were a lot of athletes, NFL players and players from other sports who were Not real happy with the fact that Goodell is getting paid $40 million. And they're like, this guy's never suited up. He's never played in a game. And he's making $40 million. But if you look at the fact that the NFL is a multi-billion dollar industry, and it's a cash cow, it's generating lots of revenue, even with the TV ratings slipping, if you're getting $40 million, it's a small fraction of the billions of dollars you're bringing in annually. And it goes back to our story from earlier. Where we said that, you know, Stephen Ross paid $1.1 $1. $1 billion for the Miami Dolphins and the Carolina Panthers are going to sell for probably $2 billion or $3 billion. So the franchise values have gone up big mm-hmm. time under Goodell's watch. You could argue that you or I could sit in the commissioner's seat and it's on autopilot and it's going to keep churning out revenues and it's not really Goodell. But again, the owners are the ones who made this decision and they feel like Goodell is the guy for the next five years and the fact that in 2021, he's going to be the guy sitting across the table from Demore Smith when you have the next collective bargaining agreement. I think that was a big factor too, that they wanted someone who already had those relationships, has already been through a collective bargaining agreement, and they didn't want to change jockeys now, so to speak.
1: No, I think you're right on that. I think your your analogy of the Samsung to an Apple phone, it's like, this has been working for us. We're still making money. We're still number one in sports entities, and it's like, He's doing stuff that's. I mean, people might not like him, but it's kind of like we were talking about with uh, with um, Mark Emmert. It's like people are going to hate you, people are going to love you. It's it's kind of a lose lose, right? But he's obviously done stuff good, and owners like him for the most part. He's you know, the NFL's growing. It's you're getting into other markets, Mexico, things like this. So I think uh, in the long run, it's probably a good choice. And I, I mean, <laughs> you're talking about sitting in his seat. I still don't think I'd for 200 million. I don't know. I don't think I want his job. Oh, I'd take it for two hundred million. In <laughs> yeah.
0: a second. In a second. I don't, second, know, man. I I don't, don't know. take it. Yeah. Well, and I can tell you this, I'd be better at press conferences, yeah, that I'd is be true. better in you interviews than he is. Yes. But you know. It's true. Here's what it comes down to for the NFL owners. One word. Money. Yep. Money. So he is overseeing the greatest renaissance of money in the history of the league. They want that to continue. He's not done a great job with the concussion issues and with a number of other issues but money is what is the most important thing to nfl owners and that's what they're gonna place their bet on with roger goodell coming up next We will count down the top three sports business stories of 2017. We're counting down the top ten sports business
2: stories of the year. The show continues after this. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow.
0: Man, it doesn't show signs of stopping. Reserve your spot for the 2018 Sports PR Summit presented by the Players' Tribune on Tuesday, May 22nd at the Players' Tribune headquarters in New York City. The Sports PR Summit brings together elite athletes, national media members, and senior PR and social media executives for panel discussions, featured conversations, and networking opportunities. The event allows PR execs to leave with a better understanding of the elite athletes, owners, commissioners, and national media people they're working with. The event also allows attendees to see Derek Jeter's one-of-a-kind digital publishing company, The Players' Tribune, up close, as well as network with top Players' Tribune executives. Past Sports PR Summit speakers include NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, NASCAR legend Jeff Gordon, Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross, NFL stars Anquan Bolden and Demarcus Ware, Cleveland Cavaliers all-star Isaiah Thomas, WNBA legend Lisa Leslie, ESPN reporters Tom Rinaldi and Jeremy Schapp, and Sports Illustrated executive editor and 60 Minutes correspondent John Wartime. The Sports PR Summit has sold out each of its first five years, and there are only 125 spots. Reserve your spot today by going online to sportsprsummit.com. Follow the Sports PR Summit on Twitter and Instagram, at Sports PR Summit. I hope to see you on May 22nd at the Players' Tribune in New York City. We are back, counting down our top 10 sports business stories of 2017. We're all the way down to the top three. Number three, Griggs. This was a big one, so we just kind of went with a blanket of it, but huge, huge changes to the sports media landscape. I can't remember a year. We started this show in 2004. can't remember a year where there have been bigger changes in the sports media landscape, some just due to technologies. For instance, podcasting has really exploded this year, which we're happy about. Mm -hmm. Um, But others are due to personnel decisions. At the beginning of the year, John Skipper was the president of ESPN. Jamie Horowitz, who used to be at ESPN, was the president of Fox Sports. At the end of 2017, as we record this, neither one of them are in that current role. John Skipper resigned just recently, said that he's got uh, substance abuse issues, so he's stepping down. ...as the president of ESPN. That was a shock to many because Skipper had just signed a contract extension last month. Some people think, the cynical people out there, think that this may not be the entire story. The other shoe may drop. We're living in this climate of Harvey Weinstein's and Jerry Richardson's. Is there something more to this story? I don't know. I guess time will tell. But John Skipper had been at ESPN for a long time. Lots of growth and big decisions made during his tenure... He's out. And then, again, Jamie Horowitz, who was in a Harvey Weinstein type of situation, was fired with cause and was shown the door earlier in the year in July. So you had those two big changes. Sports Illustrated, Golf Digest, others, that whole body of magazines. We visited them just a few weeks ago. They were sold to Meredith Broadcasting. So what's their future look like? Disney bought a big chunk of Fox Sports, and mainly their RSNs, not Fox Sports 1, but their RSNs, their regional sports networks. So they needed more content. That's going to help them with content. And then Walt Disney Company announced that it acquired majority ownership of BamTech, which will launch its ESPN-branded multi-sport video streaming service in early 2018, that's big, big news. Mm-hmm. And, you know, BAM Tech, by the way, if you don't know the backstory, there, you know, several years ago, and I'm just giving you the Reader's Digest version, BAM Tech was started by Major League Baseball Advanced Media. It was started with money pitched in by every Major League Baseball owner. This is like if you pitched in five bucks and someone came to you with a million dollars later. I mean, that's the equivalent of the return on investment that these Major League Baseball owners are going to get from their investment in Major League Baseball advanced media. And now Disney has a huge stake, 42% in BAM Tech. They paid $1.58 billion for that stake. So 42%, they don't even own the whole thing. They don't even own controlling interest. And it was one point five eight. Billion dollars, so this is going to change the ESPN app, which finally is going to become standalone. So you won't need to have cable. You can, like I have HBO finally. now, <laughs> right? Finally, I have HBO now. I pay fourteen ninety nine a month. Right. I don't have to have cable. I can just buy it through iTunes. Yep, right. This is going to be the same thing. You can buy the ESPN app on Apple TV. They're developing the app with Major League Baseball Advanced Media or BAM Tech now, and. It's going to change how we consume sports. Not only ESPN, but you know now you're going to have these regional sports networks. We can do a whole show on how the sports media landscape is going to change. The other thing we saw born this year is The Athletic. So this is a subscription based model. It actually gave jobs to a number of newspaper writers who lost their jobs. They've all gone to The Athletic. We'll see how that goes. Uh, it's going to be pretty interesting. We had Richard Deitch from Sports Illustrated on earlier in the year. If you get a chance to listen to that episode, we dug into what the sports media landscape could look like if paid subscription models like The Athletic will succeed. I think anyone who roots for sports journalism is hoping that that succeeds. But, Griggs, it's going to be an interesting 2018 because so many people have been laid off from ESPN, from Fox Sports, from Sports Illustrated, and there's amazing talent out there. So whether it's the athletic or are there yet to be start adventures that will start that grab this plethora of talent that was laid off and develop some other kind of sports media outlet.
1: It's fun because it's, this stuff's moving like a mile a minute. Like it's yeah. constantly changing, which I, you and me, like we're in the media, we, this is exciting because there's always something new. Like we've talked about podcasts is, is going crazy. Everybody's got podcasts now with the players tribune. They have some great podcasts. Um, and it's just, it's cool how you see this develop and, uh, different companies like Disney. I mean, wouldn't you like to get that call? Hey, uh, we're Walt Disney, Bam Tech. We'd like to buy your, you know, I mean, there's so much money involved in it, which is cool because you've got so many great producers, content. Uh, Talent out there It's exciting to see Where it's all Going to end up And I think it's Constantly going to be Changing Like ESPN was Kind of the same For 25 years Right And I think now It's going to be A revolving door Of change Constantly Because they're Always updating New stuff And everything else
0: I think what People have Realized Is that Consumers of Sports media Yes, they want live content. They want the big games, right? They want the Warriors Cavs. They want the Super Bowl. They want all that stuff. But they also want their content on demand. They want it when they want it. They want to program their own network, right? So here are the five podcasts I listen to. I can listen to them whenever I want, however I want, when I'm working out, traveling on an airplane, on the bus, whatever it is. And I think you're going to start to see whether it's in cars where you can... Press a button in your car and it's gonna take you right to iTunes or it's gonna take you right to, uh, you know, Pandora or whatever it may be. And then as far as Apple TV, I wanna have HBO, I wanna have ESPN, I wanna have, you know, these apps. I don't wanna have cable. I don't Mm -hmm. wanna have direct TV. I don't wanna have 800 channels that I don't watch anymore. I want to form my own programming audio-wise and video-wise, and I think that's where we're headed.
1: And I think it's brilliant because I think you're right. I think people – there's so much – like when you just subscribe to a cable, you get 200 channels, say, 175 of them you never even watch. Right. You know, and it's just like you're paying for this every month, and it goes up every month, and you get all these notifications where it's like, okay, I want to watch – you know, we're in Oregon, Pac-12, whatever it is, Pac-12 Networks, and ESPN, and Fox Sports, this, and, you know, the soccer channel. Why not be able to just pick and choose what you want and pay a certain amount of money and boom, there you go? And I think it's that's the fun part of it that I'm looking forward to as just a sports fan is being able to pick and choose what I want to watch, when I want to watch it. If I'm a Celtics fan, be able to watch, you know, FSN Boston or whatever it is and watch all the Celtic games, yep. which they kind of do with like the league pass and stuff like that, but even more available on mobile devices and wherever you're at.
0: I mean, listen to this, Griggs. I've even talked to people who, you know, there are some options like the NBA ticket, the NFL ticket. You can buy a season. Right. You can just buy your team's games. Mm -hmm. Hey, I just want to buy the, you know, New England Patriots games or whatever it may be. From people I've talked to in the future, let's say you're watching... Steelers and Patriots and let's say it's not on network TV let's right. just pretend let, I mean, let me use a better example let's say you're watching your favorite NBA team or you want to watch your favorite NBA team but you don't have a way to do it you're in another city you're going to be able to pay a dollar and watch the last two minutes of the game you may not want to watch the whole game yeah. you're going to go onto iTunes or some place that has a platform you're going to buy the last two minutes of the game because you're going to be on Twitter Or somewhere and you're going to see, wow, that's a great ending or so and so is going off and I got to see the end of that game or I want to see the last quarter of whatever. So that's the, the level of choices that the consumer is going to be able to make in the next few years. Maybe not in 2018, but soon you're going to be able to make that choice. So, you know, when we talk about the consumer being able to program their own audio network their own video network this is where it's all going you know on our show what we try and do is have long-form conversations with people working in and around sports who can explain this all really well and explain why they're making the decisions that they're making and you know just in the last year we've seen our audience grow a lot more because podcasting has become a more acceptable platform all right the second biggest story of 2017 the feds reveal an investigation into college basketball in late September. Big ripple effect. One of the biggest parts of this is that Louisville head basketball coach Rick Patino fired with cause. Shoe companies come under fire. And then the NCAA, as we discussed with Mark Emmert recently, creates a commission on college basketball. So Griggs, 10 men, including a top Adidas executive and four system basketball coaches were charged with using hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes to influence star athletes' choice of schools, shoe sponsors, agents, and even tailors. Federal prosecutors said at least to- three top high school recruits were promised payments of as much as $150,000 using money supplied by Adidas to attend two universities sponsored by the athletic shoe company. This FBI investigation was undercover. No one knew about it, including the NCAA. It started in 2015. They used wiretaps, surveillance video, undercover agents, witnesses, all things, by the way, the NCAA can't do. <laughs> so the FBI was able to do these things. And, you know, then in light of the decision, Adidas, which sponsors Louisville, released a statement saying they terminated their personal services agreement with Rick Patino, $39 million. That agreement. So lots of ripple effects, but Griggs, as I told Mark Emmert, as I will say again right now, you know, I used to do some work for Nike. I had a front row seat to the AAU tournaments, to the Nike All-America Basketball Camp, which had the elite of the elite high school basketball players, LeBron, Carmelo, Amari Stoudemire, Chris Paul, JJ Reddick. I saw all of them come through and I can tell you it is a scummy, filthy business and this has been a long time in coming, and I think we're going to see more coaches, more assistant coaches, more athletic directors, and more athletes fall as this investigation grows wider. And as the NCAA also gets in on doing some uh, investigating of their own.
1: Yeah, I think you're right too. With like, it goes deeper than just the coach and and players. I think athletic directors are involved, university staff. There's a lot of stuff that goes deeper than just the guys you see on the court on on the when the game's playing. But um, yeah, and I think we've talked about this years in past shows about how you knew this was coming, these investigations, things like this. Because as you said, I said with the AAU. You saw it coming up when the kids are, you know, before they're in high school, you see this stuff starting to go on. And uh, and you talked about it with Mark Emmer, too, and he had some good stuff to say about it, too. But it's a real thing, and it's a real problem. And obviously, uh, this story here, and there's going to be more on this and other stories, I th- I'm sure, in the coming years.
0: And I would invite you to go back and listen to our podcast with Rod Strickland earlier in the year as well. Yeah. Rod played in the NBA. He was an AAU star. He was an elite College basketball coach assistant under John Calipari at Memphis and Kentucky. And then he has sons who are playing high school basketball now. So he's seen this from all the different angles and, uh, he had a really interesting perspective. But I can tell you this, the biggest joke of this whole thing is when the college basketball coaches like Rick Bettino play dumb, especially college basketball. It's one thing is for a football coach with, you know, a hundred players to pretend, you know, that I don't know what's going on at all times with everyone on the team. You might have a point there, but for a basketball team that has like 15 to 18 players on the team and someone who is as controlling as a Rick Pitino, you're acting like you didn't know this was going on, these payments were being made, all of this stuff. Give me a break. We're not idiots, and I think... That's one of the big lessons here is these coaches are CEOs. They are brands in and of themselves. We saw Jimbo Fisher hired at Texas A&M for $75 million, $7.5 million a year. They are the CEOs. The buck stops with them. They are more powerful than the presidents on campus. But at the end of the day, the president and the athletic director can still fire them. That's what happened at Louisville. The AD lost his job as well. When we come back... We're going to count down the number one sports business story of the year 2017. You're listening to Sports
2: Business Radio. This is SBR's top 10 sports business stories of the year. More of the countdown next.
0: Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. We are back and we have reached that time. The number one sports business story of the year, 2017. Greg's athlete protests cause ripple effect. TV ratings, ticket sales, sponsors dropping, but it also shows the power of the athlete and the coaches via their social media and media platforms. Griggs, so much to cover here, but a lot of this stems with Colin Kaepernick, right? You go back to not this season, but the season before last, and the kneeling and the protests, and he became kind of the poster boy for protests in the NFL, political protests, So you fast forward to the preseason, no job for Colin Kaepernick. And you fast forward to the season, no job for Colin Kaepernick. So Colin Kaepernick retains a lawyer and files a collusion lawsuit against NFL owners saying, the only reason you're not signing me isn't because I can't play. It's because of the political protests. That was a big story. It made him kind of a martyr. It made him a bigger than life figure. Then you had uh, Jamil Hill from ESPN, who had some comments on her Twitter feed about Donald Trump. She was suspended. That brought politics into the sports world even more. Then we really had this big moment in September where President Trump was attending an event in Alabama and made some comments about the NFL and specifically players kneeling and said they should be fired. If I was an NFL owner, those players would be fired for kneeling and disrespecting the flag. Okay? So that started a whole new level (laughs) of conversation and controversy in the NFL. You had the Pittsburgh Steelers not coming out at all for the anthem that weekend. I was actually in Chicago at Soldier Field when that happened. You had this Twitter storm with LeBron James sending tweets to Donald Trump. Which by the way is the most retweeted tweet ever by an athlete if you want to Google it. Steph Curry declined an invitation to go to the White House and, you know, said some things on Twitter. Then you had two really smart guys, one of which I met at Sports PR Summit in May. Anquan Bolden, who has retired from the NFL Hall of Fame wide receiver, future Hall of Fame wide receiver, to really focus on the off-the-field issues that the world is facing, and then Malcolm Jenkins, who plays for the Philadelphia Eagles, the two of them formed a coalition, a player coalition, and they did such a great job of rolling up their sleeves. This is my problem with some athletes who protest, is they protest, but then they don't back it up with actions, right? So I want this, I want that, or or they don't even say what they want, they just kneel. And it's like, well, what are you kneeling for? I don't know. Everyone else is doing it. No. Malcolm Jenkins and Anquan Bolden are visiting prisons. They will give you statistics about people who are in prison. They will give you statistics about this, that, and the other. They have a game plan on how to make our world a better place in the community. They're meeting with police officers. They are going to hospitals. They are meeting with politicians. They are not just talking the talk. They are walking the walk. So I have a lot of respect for them. The NFL reportedly has said that they may make up to $100 million in donations over seven years. The league owners and players would donate to this uh, pool of money that would go to help people uh, with these causes in the community. So um, there is progress being made, but along with this, you had a number of people, Griggs, turned off. By the protest. And they're the stick-to-sports crowd, right? Don't talk about politics, don't talk about religion, don't talk about anything else. Just stick to sports. We just want to watch you play. I don't want to see you kneel. I don't want to see you disrespect the flag. It's interesting because I've talked to ex-athletes who have said, I won't watch the NFL anymore because the players disrespect the flag. Others have said, good for them for using their voice and their platform for, you know, Trying to make the world a better place and discussing politics and religion. We've seen LeBron James get very vocal on social media and in interviews. Uh, you know, wear shoes black and white that say equality on the back of them. Um, a number of people have stuck their neck out there, and for that, I give them a lot of respect. Because you know, again, I sit in locker rooms all the time, and I have athletes, NBA teams, and otherwise who say, Brian. If I take a stand on something, what's going to happen? And I always tell them, 50% of the people are going to applaud you and say, great job. You're changing the world. You're using your platform. You're making it a better place. The other 50% are going to say, shut up and play basketball. Shut up and play football. Shut up and play baseball. I'm not here to hear about your political views. You're a distraction from all of that. Just play your sport and let me enjoy it. So we're in this really weird place right now. But uh, you have someone like Chris Long from the Philadelphia Eagles who donated his entire 2016 or 2017 salary from the Eagles to great charity organizations to try and improve our world. How about JJ Watt? And this isn't political, but JJ Watt, Hurricane Harvey hits Houston, tons of damage. JJ Watt raises $37 million mainly through media and social media outreach. And then, you know, basically comes out with a great plan. We're gonna, you know, send thirty point one five million to America's Feeding America, SBP Save the Children. We're gonna do that over eighteen to twenty four months. We're gonna hold back seven million dollars to distribute in twenty eighteen after assessing and analyzing future relief efforts for this. JJ Watt was named Co-Sports Person of the Year by Sports Illustrated. Jose Altuve, also from Houston, the Astros, was his. Uh, co-sports person of the year. But, you know, you look at the power of these athletes and the platforms they have now, Griggs, to affect change, whether it's political or raising money like JJ Watt did for Hurricane Harvey. And it's a different world now. It is not the stick to sports world. And it's not that way for Jamil Hill or for a lot of journalists either. Even someone like myself, you know, I really try not to get into politics too much, but there's sometimes on your timeline, Where, you know, you gotta use your platform and there are people out there that, you know, you can influence or you can shine a spotlight on something and the world has changed. I think the other thing that really made things different, we talked to David Fisdell, former coach of the Memphis Grizzlies earlier in the year. You know, Muhammad Ali opened up this door, right? I mean, here's a guy who, you know, missed some of the best years of his career by taking a stand on issues facing our world back in the day. And now, you know, you see Colin Kaepernick, who won the Muhammad Ali Award at the Sports Illustrated uh, Honors in December. You know, you see LeBron James, you see Serena Williams, you see J.J. Watt, Chris Long, Malcolm Jenkins, Anquan Bolden, the list goes on. People have said, I'm taking a stand on things. The other reason I think they can do this, Griggs, and then I'll let you respond, is these athletes are making so much money now. That if they lose an endorsement deal for 5 million bucks or 10 million bucks, they're like, well, you know what? That's probably not someone I wanted to be partner with anyways. How about earlier in the year when Kevin Plank defended Donald Trump and Steph Curry basically said, you better change that tune or I might be leaving Under Armour. And you saw the clout that someone like Steph Curry has in order to dictate to the president of one of the companies that he endorses to You know, not change political stances, but at least tone it down a little bit because he didn't agree with them. So the athlete and even coaches like Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr and others have been very outspoken
1: in this climate. The thing, couple things I like about this is, one, it makes the athlete coaches more of a a real person to me. Humanizes them. Yeah. I mean, you're like, okay, this guy believes Trump, doesn't believe in Trump, believes this, doesn't believe in this. That is a cool thing because growing up you read, you you just read about things in newspapers. You don't know about the person.
0: Well, and Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, they never
1: came out on anything of political nature. I love that. So that's cool. Number two. The JJ J. Watt story was fascinating for me, um, because I think he started with a goal of 200k. Right. My son and me were on Twitter, we're watching it. He was into it. And it's yeah. a cool example of showing my kid, look it, you can make difference. You might not be an athlete, but give five dollars to this organization. Right. And it can turn into 500,000. Yeah. So that was cool just as a parent and a sports fan to see. How, I mean, just, just watching Twitter every day. How much is he up to now? And JJ J. Watt was blown away by it. Right. I love that. Because yeah. he's like, he's a big star and he's blown away by this. Yeah. Pretty cool. So I think this whole thing is good. It's going to be good for. The viewer, whether you you don't like it or not, it's going to be good for this fan. I think overall it's going to be good for the athletes, and it's only going to make it more humanized, and we're all going to be kind of a, a big family fighting the same kind of fight.
0: Now, the thing that is interesting is if you look at the sports leagues, the NFL is impacted by this more than anyone else, right? Like, the ratings have been down. Some people have said, oh, it's because of this, the player protests, right. the anthem protests. Um you have companies like Papa John's, big NFL sponsor, who come out and they say, we're losing money on NFL, which some people are like, well, show me where yeah. you're losing money. But just that statement alone is not good for the brand of the NFL. Uh, Roger Goodell and other owners want players to stand for the anthem. And, you know, there's the whole battle of can you make them stand? If they don't stand, can you do like Donald Trump said and fire them? And you compare and contrast that to the NBA where it's literally written into the bylaws where Adam Silver, if he says, you're standing for the anthem, you're standing for the anthem. The other thing that was really interesting to watch, again, someone who sits in locker rooms and watches this up close, the player response to Roger Goodell versus the player response to Adam Silver. When Adam Silver says something, the NBA players go, all right, Adam, I trust you. I know you're going to help me have a platform to... You know, fight other battles and do work in the community. Whereas the NFL players go, you know what, Roger Goodell? I don't trust you. I don't think you're going to. Now I will say this. Roger Goodell did sit down with Malcolm Jenkins and Anquan Bolden and a number of other players and got involved and rolled up his sleeves. And I think he's starting to see, you know what? A, I need to listen to these players. If I want to develop some equity and relationships with them, B, the collective bargaining agreement is coming out in 2021. Either this is going to be a bloodbath and we're going to sit across the table from each other and the players are going to absolutely despise me, or I can start working with them on issues like this and come 2021, maybe we have a, a softer uh, dialogue and it's not a bloodbath and we might get a deal done. So um, it's going to be interesting to watch, but I don't see the athlete being muzzled at this point. I no. think we've burst through a barrier. Where the athlete and coaches like Popovich and Steve Kerr are only, and Stan Van Gundy, are only going to get louder and use their platform to decry things in the world that they don't think are fair. I'm fine with that. You know, I grew up and a lot of people said, boy, Michael Jordan, boy, Tiger Woods, why don't you speak out on things and we criticize them for not speaking out. So how can we criticize the athletes who are speaking out now? When we criticize the ones who didn't speak out in the past, it it doesn't make sense. You can't have it both ways. And if you want to just have the athlete that sticks to sports, then you know what? Watch another athlete. But you know, I think today's world, these athletes are CEOs. They're brands in and of themselves. They've got huge followings on social media. As we saw with J.J. Watt, you can raise $37 million. You can impact lots and lots of things. And the toothpaste is out of the tube, Griggs. So I think the leagues and the teams are going to have to learn how to deal with this and they're going to have to learn how to message in concert with their players or at least, you know, look like they're in concert with their players. But to put a muzzle on the athletes and the coaches going forward, I don't see it happening. That is the number one story of the year 2017. Griggs, let's look ahead to 2018. I know we've already dropped some hints during this show, uh, about what to expect in 2018. We talked about, you know, the fact that Jerry Richardson and the Panthers, there's probably going to be more scandal in the sports world of, uh, specifically men who are outed for their mistreatment of women. That's probably going to only grow. We've talked about the sports media and some of the platforms changing. Things like the ESPN app and Major League Baseball, Advanced Media. What are some other things that you see coming in 2018?
1: Yeah, I, I think the big one for me is the changing of the sports media. I think that's going to be, just as a consumer and to the consumers, I really think that's going to be something we... But this time next year when we're talking is going to be a whole different landscape with cable TV and subscriptions and all this stuff. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and I think we kind of covered most of the stuff I'm, I'm excited about. But I think every year this is a fun time of the year because... It's amazing how many stories, looking forward in 2018, of things that are going to be changing. Every year, there's so much change, and every year it gets more exciting because there's so many new things, and especially as technology advances and podcasts and all this stuff and athletes talking and all this, there's so much changing and so much stuff that we can absorb and take in. It's fun. It's exciting. And and day-to-day, you just don't know what's going to happen, and it's fun to see it change and and, and live with it. So it's cool.
0: Esports is going to continue to get bigger, more and more. uh People are going to embrace it. I think you're going to see other leagues, in addition to the NBA, start to form esports teams. Yeah, we've got the Winter Olympics oh, coming yeah. up in just a few weeks. That's nice. going to be a big story. That's mm-hmm. always a big deal. Super Bowl coming up. Super Bowl coming up. World Cup. Mm-hmm. U.S. won't be there. That's <laughs> coming up um, again that summer of 2018 for NBA free agency. That yes. is going to be crazy with yes. LeBron. You know, is it going to be? The decision. The decision. (laughs) Is it going to be coming home part two? Is it going to be, I'm going to Houston to do the two stuff with James Harden and Chris Paul. Like everyone is going to be on the LeBron watch. Yep. And, uh, so those are some big stories. You know, I agree with you. I think the sports media landscape is going to continue to change. Um, you know, again, as someone who's worked in and around the sports world, there are going to be some people who have the perception of them change forever, whether it's athletes, coaches, owners, commissioners, whoever it is, uh, after being outed in Harvey Weinstein-like fashion. So definitely that is far from over, and we'll keep our eye on that as well. Griggs, uh, what are your plans for the holidays and for the new year?
1: Well, I, uh, family's all here, so I don't go anywhere usually for Christmas, and we're staying here, so we're just hanging. Um, uh, taking a, a week off in there, so I'm gonna have some good family time just to chill and do some things around the house. I'm really looking forward to that and just kinda veg out and, you know, soak up some sports. Nice. Do that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the Winter Olympics. You and I both love the Olympic Games, so winter's probably my favorite, just cause I, 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 it's crazy. This, the snowboarding and the skiing is just phenomenal to me. How fast these guys go down a hill on on skis wow, it is nuts. crazy. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, I mean, 2018, let's bring it on. It's exciting times. I'm I'm looking forward to everything.
0: So I will be home for Christmas, but then right after that, I'm going to head to Phoenix, Arizona. I'm from Phoenix. Go play some golf. Nice. Get into the warm weather, visit some friends. Uh, and then I'm interested to see this college football playoff. Yeah. I, I will yeah. not be there like I was last year. But it's going to be interesting. I mean, Alabama's the four seed, and you can easily see them winning it. Oh, yeah. So it's pretty wide open. Um But there's controversy around that thing every year. Always. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what happens with that. And then right after that, Super Bowl's coming up. I think the Patriots look pretty good. I tweeted out after the Patriots-Steelers game... That I want to trademark and get merchandise made that said, I survived the ground. <laughs> because if you listen to the officials now, they'll say the player did not survive the ground <laughs> and it was not a touchdown. And that is why it was not a touchdown for the Steelers and the Patriots <laughs> got the ball. So like I survived the ground. That, like that. that needs to be like a new merchandising thing out there. Someone smarter than me trademarks that just cut me in on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on some of that. But, uh, boy, great year, great trip to New York, yep. uh, lots of great guests on the show. Again, I would remind you to go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can find us on iTunes. And here's a special greeting from Sophia Berger.
1: Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy new year. Oh.
2: Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one
0: with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA.
2: It is always a pleasure, Brian.
0: Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the Bowl Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure,
2: Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com. And subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And stay connected to the business side of sports. Only with Sports Business Radio.
0: Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes. Type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Audio Boom via the tune in radio and stitcher apps. And of course at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB radio. Follow us on Instagram at sports business radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Happy New Year. Happy holidays to everyone out there. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you in 2018.